Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. All right, if you have your Bibles, let's go Acts chapter four. And here's the big idea. We're in this middle of this season where we sense like the Holy Spirit was putting on our heart this summer to talk about not us, but to talk about others. So in the midst of this time, it's really easy to be thinking about me and my comforts and my life and my rights and my desires and what I want and what I should get and what I shouldn't get. And yet when we read Jesus, and we look at his church in Acts, there is little on me and much on my focus is on God and my focus is on others. And so we wanted to spend intentional time this summer focusing in on Kansas City and how can we make a difference in the city and how can we make a difference in the next generation? How can we make a difference on the nations? And let's just not have our eyes be on me, but let's have our eyes be on God and on others. And so we themed even this series on Acts for the city. Because when you look at this, really our theme kind of key verse that we read in Acts 1 is where it says, Jesus says to the disciples who become the apostles, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. And then he says, city in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we believe that this is our time to focus in on our city. And of course, we want to make a difference in our world, in our nation, and then around the world. And we want to be intentional to really make a difference here in Kansas City. And so we've themed this series, Called for the City, as we look through Acts. And we're looking at some of the different themes that run through Acts. And so in the first week, we talked about how in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said that they would receive power. And through the book of Acts, the idea of the supernatural power of God runs all through the early church. And then last week in week two, we talked about unity, togetherness. We read Acts one and two, and there's this constant emphasis on being together, unity. It's a beautiful church that is united and Jesus is what unites them. And so even when we read in Acts two, where Jesus helps every nation hear the gospel in their own language, and there's this idea that it's Jesus that's the common bond, Jesus that unites us. And so last week we talked about togetherness. They devoted themselves to And it was about together. They were all together in one place in chapter two, verse one. And and, and where I want us to go today is I want to look at a third theme this week. We're going to go Acts 4, and I want to talk courage or boldness or confidence. In different times throughout Acts, we have this idea just bleeding through, just literally coming off the page. And we're going to go a lot of Bible today. And I want you, I just want to survey a little bit and have you see some of it. My hope is that this summer in this time that we would walk in courage. We want to walk in power. We want to walk in unity. And we want to walk in supernatural courage, not just bravado, not just extroverts being loud, but the church walking in courage that looks like God at work in us. So Acts chapter four, verse 13, famous verse where there's a response to Peter and John. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. So what did they see? They saw courage. And what was their reaction? Astonishment. 
And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask, Lord, that you would help us walk in supernatural courage this summer in this time. God, we ask, Lord, that our own desires would fade and that our desire for God would get larger. God, your mission through your people to the world would take place through us as a church. We ask, Lord Jesus, for help because we seek our own agenda and our own comfort so much and so often that it's hard to have our affections go towards you and our affections go towards others. And we want it though. We ask that you would help us. Help us to be courageous. Help us to take the risks. Help us, Lord Jesus, to not walk in fear. We pray for supernatural boldness. As it marked the early church, may it mark this one. In Jesus' name, amen. In the fall of 2000, I was uh, with some of my friends. I was uh, serving at a church that had a lot of uh, younger pastors on staff, and six of us broke out into an argument. And so I was the youngest. I was 23 at the time, and I was fresh out of college. And uh, a debate rose up uh, because there started a conversation where we were talking about the sitcom Friends. And uh, yeah, deep stuff, right? Theological conversations between pastors. And so we were talking about friends and the, the conversation became, which character are you the most like? And so one guy was like, you're like Chandler. And they were like, I think I'm kind of like Ross. And the other one was like, I think I'm kind of like Chandler, Ross, Chandler, Ross. Joey, I think you're kind of like Joey. And, and, and there was a debate about, <laughs> about what we're like. And, and then, and then there, that moved into the quoting of episodes. And, and before you know it, you know, we've, we've spent all this time, we're <laughs> on a trip together and we're all hanging out together. And, uh, and then lo and behold, one of the older pastors who was among us, the oldest in the conversation, he was 26. Um, <laughs> and he said, he said, I can't believe you guys watch Fred's. And he just, he started just kind of ripping into everybody. And then he's like, God's called us to raise up the next generation of young leaders and young people. And you can't watch Fred's and you shouldn't come not only compare yourself, but we shouldn't be watching. We should be preaching against it. And then this young worship leader rose up and he was like, we got to be culturally relevant. You can't say that or else we won't have it. All of us sudden there was a shift in the conversation to this debate that rose up. And, and uh, I had actually just preached sometime in that like recent week or two about being Nazarites. And so um, I had talked from the Old Testament and I had brought up some of the stories of some of the Old Testament characters that were consecrated to God, wouldn't cut their hair, did dramatic things to be holy the Lord's and consecrated. And I mean, I had just prayed and cried with teenagers. Let's set our lives apart. We're holy the Lord's. And yet, I was a bit quiet in the friend's conversation. And then my friend, the one who was leading the conversation, the old man of the group, 26 years old, he looks at me and he says, well, Perkins, would you just speak up, you spineless Nazarite? <laughs> and uh, I just started laughing and... Um, Anyway, I, uh, to this day, we have moments where uh, he currently pastors Denver United in Denver, and I'll just say, I ain't adding anything. I'm a spineless Nazarite. And, uh, 
But the reason was is because to enter the conversation was uncomfortable because there was a whole lot of enthusiasm in that conversation. Because in that conversation, there was a, there was a lot of debate. And uh, it was more comfortable to just kind of be quiet right there and just kind of listen. And I think in our own journeys with God and our own opportunity to be followers of Jesus, it's a lot of opportunities to just remain comfortable. There's a lot of opportunities to just kind of sit back. And, and, and yet when we look at Acts, we find moments where there's courage demonstrated by the apostles. And even this conversation in Acts chapter four, it's kind of coming out of Acts chapter three, verse one, where Peter and John are, are walking and see this lame beggar. And it's their idea, lame beggar begging, and it's their idea to respond not to what he's requesting, money. He's requesting money. And Peter says to him, silver and gold, I do not have, but what I give you in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And it's actually his idea. Like he steps out of his comfort zone and miraculously God uses them. And all of a sudden this guy becomes leaping and jumping and praising God. And there's a miracle that takes place. And then the miracle stirs up response. And there's an opportunity for Peter to preach. Why? Because the miracle opened up the opportunity for the message. And now not only is there a, a, a message, but now the religious leaders, they don't have the control. And so now they're, should we throw these guys in jail? What should we do here? And, and the miracle led to some proclamation and that led to some conversation. And now we've got an, an uncomfortable moment and these threats and Peter and John are walking in this courage, this strength. They've seen miracles and now they're preaching, actually speaking the Bible, like, like talking, quoting Psalm 16, quoting Psalm 110, quoting Genesis 22. They've got like this language where they're, they're filled with the Spirit, Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. And, and now there's miracles and now there's bold proclamation and there's conversations and responses and religious leaders and yet there's a willingness to experience persecution. And there, Luke just puts this gold nugget in here in verse 13 where he says, and when they, these religious leaders, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they took note that these men, these ordinary, unschooled, ordinary men, they'd been with Jesus. There's a couple of dynamics in that. It's interesting that one of the marks that demonstrated relationship with Jesus was courage. So they sounded like, oh, they've really been with him. These Galilean fishermen, they've been with Jesus they speak like they know him. They quote the scriptures. They have clarity. And in our opportunity, in our context, just like there was need for great courage in the first century, there is a need in our time through this church for courage. And I wanna invite you right now to just recognize even if you're someone who feels like you walk in a degree of courage, that courage marked these apostles and courage marked the early church. And what would it look like for us to ask God to help us walk in courage right now? Walk in courage through this season.
Let's just look at Acts for just a moment because I just want you to believe me that this is a theme. So we're gonna look at it. In, in chapter two, verse 29, it's the moment where Peter preaches and this idea of boldness or courage comes through. In verse 29, it says, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently or boldly that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. Or chapter four, verse 13 is what we just read. That's the story where these other people identify the courage of Peter and John. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Or in chapter four, verse 29, this is not other people recognizing it. This is now them praying for it. Now, Lord, so here's early church. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness, with great courage. So they're praying for it. So they've experienced persecution and they're coming and they're asking God for courage or for boldness. Intriguing. Typically in our context, we typically say, hey, do you need prayer? And it's mostly, here's how my life could be better. Pray for me. But a prayer for boldness is not a prayer for self. A prayer for boldness is ultimately a prayer for others. A prayer for boldness is ultimately, I want to fulfill the calling on my life and I want other people to be affected. And so if God wants to use me and I've got a short time on earth and ultimately a prayer for boldness is God used me for their sake. So a prayer for courage and a prayer for boldness is not a prayer for my comforts and my needs and my desires to come to fruition. No, it's a desire that, it's, it's a longing desire, passion that my desires have been transformed into God-like desires and now I care about what he cares about and he told me to be a witness and so I care about other people and so my thoughts are not mostly about me. My thoughts are about God help me be bold. And the nature of praying for boldness is, no, I'm, I got prison in the balance right here. Help me to keep being bold. Why? Because I'm making a difference, which means that my mission is to make a difference more than my vision is to have comfort and ease. And that's challenging in a culture where the whole vision is to have comfort and ease. It's hard to have a vision to make a difference with your life when we're constantly told to bring comfort with our lives have to be the center of our lives. To make Jesus the center is actually really hard. It's actually very common for us to do just what I did and just step out of the conversation and say, this ain't comfortable. Y'all go ahead. Y'all fight it out. But I want to invite you to look at the Christian church that was bold, prayed bold prayers. And actually here in 431, the result of their prayer meeting was boldness. It says here in verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they began to speak the word of God boldly. So another way that you could look at this is that actually the evidence of a prayer meeting is boldness. So if you feel like maybe I don't have courage, here in 431, we find that post-prayer boldness results. So prayer fuels boldness. So if you look at your life and you go, I don't feel like I'm walking in boldness. I don't feel like courage and boldness is a part of me. Maybe one of the best things you could do is go back and rearrange your time in your prayer life and be pleasantly surprised how supernatural boldness starts to grow in the hearts of intercessors. You go give yourself to prayer. I know this sounds funny, but uh, during this season, we have taken our prayer meeting on Wednesday nights online. And uh, so it's a little bit different. Before we were in the community center, we had prayer meetings uh, to start the church 
uh, before we even had a church, we had prayer meetings and we've maintained that weekly prayer meeting since we started. And it's been kind of that moment where you're, you're for me, where I'm, I'm uniting everybody. And so we got coffee and I'm kind of saying hi to people and going up and, and praying the scriptures a little bit, you know, and leading the team. But as we've been in this season where we took so many things online, the prayer meeting has remained online, which has meant that for me, I've just sat there and, and, and literally prayed, not 15 minutes of a 60 minute prayer meeting, but led the, either in singing or in prayer, led the meeting for the hour, right? And I, I didn't realize this till I was studying this week, but if you look back and you look at my text messages on Wednesday nights, my text messages after the prayer meeting are like, let's take the city. Like it is so much courage. In fact, you can ask Nathan, but oftentimes I'm filled with a vision on Wednesday night. Like he's like, hey, let's shut this thing down. Let's go home. I got three kids. What's up? And I'm like, let's do this. Why? Well, coming out of an hour of prayer and you're just like, let's roll, baby. Let's go. It is not our physical strength. It's God at work. It's God doing something. And I break that down specifically because I think it is that specific. I think it is that personal in your testimony. Um, am I saying that every time you feel boldness? No. But what I do believe is just like we read here in the text of these guys and when they had prayed, probably an earthquake right here, when they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They began to speak the word of God boldly. I saw it in teen, with teenagers this week. I saw some boldness rise up in the hearts of 16-year-olds post-praying together, right? Why? It's something God does. So it's easy for us to be cynical and just kind of say, well, it's just boldness is bravado and boldness is just those. And sometimes it's easy to say it's extroverted people or it's ignorant people. I'm not inviting you to just be uh, filled with bravado or enthusiasm. I'm inviting you to have spirit-filled boldness that enables you to be a witness to your family and your city and your world. And Acts is filled with it. Acts is filled with people that set aside my own mission so that they can fulfill the great commission with Christ on a journey. And it's actually more fulfilling than any dream that anybody else pitches to us. It's actually the way that we were designed to live where we walk with God and fulfill his purposes. It's actually the most enjoyable way to live. So look at this, 927. This is about Saul. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem. And here's Saul speaking boldly in the name of Jesus. Luke, who wrote, you got Luke, and then he wrote Acts, and he's just hitting this boldly thing over and over again, or typing. And then, you know, this is a scroll. However you do it, he's, he's hitting this idea. Thanks for the laugh. That's my mom. All right, 413. <laughs> All right, that's not funny. All right, 413. Uh, it's Paul and Barnabas. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord. There's that theme again. Now it's Paul and Barnabas speaking it. 19.8, we'll go back to Paul. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. And this is actually how Luke ends Acts. Actually talks to this idea of boldness in the final phrases. It says this, Paul, uh, for two years, for two whole years, Paul stayed here. So this is in Rome. 
in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught them and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So whether you're talking Peter and John's boldness and courage or whether you're talking about Paul and Barnabas or whether you're talking about the early church gathering in a prayer meeting, there's this theme that runs throughout the text. Most Bible commentators highlight this as one of the massive themes we find in the early church. And all I'm asking is that if this is a theme of the early church, oh God, let this be an attribute of this church. Oh God, let this mark us. Let supernatural courage be something that marks our lives. And you see Peter and John here, and I just like this phrase when they saw, and I was just thinking about what were some of the things that they saw? Because we all know that they saw that they were preaching, got that, but there was some other fruit, some other evidence. For example, when there was a miracle and a lame man who, in the text it says he's clinging on, he's holding on to them. And a, a man who experienced a miracle is holding on Peter, to Peter and John. So there's fruit, there's evidence, there's the work, their, their, their ministry had supernatural activity in it. And then it says that the, the number grew to 5,000 men. So there's, there's people coming to know Christ. There's growth. So there's miracles. There's growth. There's a willingness to face persecution. There's this willingness, this, this courage, this boldness to face anything. And I just begin to ask, I, th I think that in addition to just the message, just the sermon, just the speaking. They're seeing some evidence of, we're not backing down. Looks like courage, looks like strength. And I'm just asking the Lord that he would fill us with courage because I think that it's easy for us to try to avoid danger. It's, it's normal. Let's do everything we can to avoid danger. However, if you talk to early church people, if you look at the Christian early church, they have a mindset of how, not just to avoid danger, but how do you face danger? You grow in courage. And I think it's easy for us right now to re just realize, hey, you know what? No matter how great a free market economy is or how great our nation is or how much technology we have or all the great things that we have in our nation, even here, we can face some danger. And so we can spend our lives just trying to avoid all danger or we can recognize that our spiritual response is, I'm gonna grow in courage. I'm gonna be able to face. And you, I mean, you read about Peter and John and these guys, they ended up facing some danger. I mean, most Bible scholars believe that Peter was crucified upside down, that John was dipped in oil and then sent out to the island of Patmos to be exiled. They, they faced pain. They faced danger. And I just want to invite us to try to think in the midst of all of the blessings and all of the comforts and all of the benefits that we enjoy, to not have my comfort, my blessing be the primary narrative of my life, the primary narrative of my life is, man, I'm a follower of Jesus and I'll go where you lead. I'll be a bold witness and may the Holy Spirit be so at work and alive inside of me that I see circumstances differently. The Holy Spirit, Acts 2, Pentecost right here, Holy Spirit begins to take up residency in us. So you house the Holy Spirit. 
So, so that's what enables you to see the world differently. That's what enables you. It's not just your raw determination and your raw zeal. It's not just a commitment. It's God that helps you. It's God at work inside of you so that you can go, wow, there's supernatural activity inside of me. And when you look at the world differently and acts honestly, supernaturally, then there is jaw-dropping astonishment around you. How on earth could you walk with such courage? This is a silly illustration, but um, I'm a sports guy, so I like basketball. And um, I remember a Pepsi commercial, <laughs> uh, hard transition there. I remember a, a, a Pepsi commercial where um, it, was, it, was, it was Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love who had dressed up as old men and they went to go play street ball and the people they were playing street ball with didn't know that they were all dressed up, but they had like these professional disguises on. And so the, the, it's, it's, it's a fun Pepsi commercial because before too long, you've got these guys who are in their 70s dunking. And I mean, they're NBA superstars. And it's just like fun to watch because these these players are just in astonishment as they just watch these guys like, what on earth just happened here? Because I mean, it's old man, 74 year old looking guy, but he's actually only like, you know, in his twenties and he's just like, you know, dunking and, and you know, it's like unreal. And then Kevin loved back to Kyrie and they're just dominating on the court. And there's this astonishment on the court as they looked at these guys and said, something is different. This is not normal. Something is taking place. They got something on. And they would be right because there was something on the inside. It was this. Those men were not ordinary. They were NBA superstars. They were, all, they were in their 20s, not their 70s. And I know that's silly, but I believe that for us, that's who we're supposed to be. We, have, we, we house the presence of God. We are the Holy Spirit at work inside of you. And so, and so if God be at work inside of me, if God is using me to make a difference in my circle of influence and on my court, <laughs> there is jaw-dropping astonishment, like what on earth is going on? Why? Because you're walking in power. Supernatural unity and supernatural courage. And you look at difficult circumstance, hardship, challenges, different than the way that people who do not house the Holy Spirit look at it. Why? You have God at work on the inside. You're a carrier of his presence. That's who we are. That's who his church is. And so I just picture us Facing circumstances differently. Us facing a crisis this summer and walking, not in fear, not in selfishness, not in anger, not in disunity, but in courage. Face it, I choose it. And actually your courage can change the entire atmosphere, the people around you. On Friday, uh, Rachel Dorinsky sent a uh, voice memo to Nathan, Renata, and I. She works at a hospital. And uh, she sent us a four minute and 48 second voice memo. So you know when you get a four minute, 48 second voice memo, you're like, I'll get to that in a minute, right? Because that's, that's pretty long. And, uh, and when I listened to her voice memo, it sounded something like this. As we go into this weekend, I sense like the Holy Spirit was just putting on my heart that that same way that we challenge teenagers, 
to refuse to be denied and to walk in the fullness of what God has for them. We're supposed to walk like that in this season. And no matter what the church of Jesus Christ goes through, we have overcome in the past and will overcome again. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> she said, she said, this is not, there's something like this. I mean, I don't know, it's kind of my version of it, but she said, the church of Jesus Christ, this is, we're not being fed to lions right now. We're, we, we are not facing what the hardships that other people have faced. This is not the hardships that even our grandparents' generation experienced. We can, we as the church of Jesus can walk with courage and strength through this. So here it is. She's, she's been with God and then she's a little prayed up and then she's speaking. And I'm literally listening through an iPhone going from about normal, what's up, what's up, what's up, to like, I mean, a little bit of Proverbs 28.1, the righteous are as bold as lions. I'm like, ah, let's go, Acts, come on. Let's, let's see Jesus work in Kansas City through Radiant Church. And I could feel this courage inside of her help my courage to rise. And that's what bold Christians do. It's not your words, it's God's words. It's not your ideas, it's God's ideas. It's not you making stuff up. It's the Holy Spirit alive at work inside of you and you're speaking what God is saying. I love the story about the Moravians who John Wesley, this missionary to America, leaving England and going to try to make a difference in the United States and the storm hits on the ocean and he's in the ship and he's suddenly, though a missionary, though committed to Christianity, he's suddenly wrecked in fear. And in the middle of the storm, he experiences such fear and terror. But these Moravians, who is this group of missionaries as well, instead of being filled with anxiety and fear, began to worship. They began to sing hymns to God. And Wesley talks about that as a defining moment in his faith where he realized they had something that he didn't have. Courage. In the middle of the moment, they're looking to God and he's afraid of the storm. And I just wanna invite you, this is a storm. This is a moment. This is a season. I don't know if it's weeks, months, or years, but this is our opportunity to just choose. It's gonna define us. Be defined by the storm. We're gonna be defined by the Savior. We're gonna be defined by the waves. We're gonna be defined by, hmm, I saw the courage of Radiant Church. They took note. These people have been with God. These people have been with Jesus. These people walking in a supernatural courage that surely is not normal. These people, they might look 75, but they can dunk, baby. <laughs> I mean, they are, whew, something, something's different on the inside. My invitation to us today is that we would choose courage we would step out, not comfortable, no. Easier to pull back, easier to get mad at somebody else, easier to yell, far easier. But the dream is that when we face the storm that we have inside of us, an arsenal to pull, we've got, we've got things to pull, we've got more strength because it, God at work. And when I, look at, when I look at Peter and John here, think about what they, what's inside of them. Like I just imagine we read 
Jesus told them that they would face this moment. So they had enough conversations with Jesus that even when they faced standing before religious leaders and they were able to be bold, Jesus had told them that this moment would come. So conversations with Jesus help them be strong in the storm, help them be strong when facing persecution or the potential of more jail time or something. And I also think it's interesting that they had been seeking God and filled with the Holy Spirit. Just Acts 2, they've got the Holy Spirit. You will receive power. They've got the power of God. So they've got relationship. They've got power. And you know what else is here? Peter's quoting Psalm 16. He's quoting Psalm 110. He's quoting Genesis. Now, I don't know what Peter was like before Jesus invited him to follow him. But I just picture that if the man on the boat before he left it to follow Jesus could see the preacher quoting Psalm 16, Psalm 110, declaring and people hearing the word of God in their own language. And Peter, who had been afraid of servant girls, now not afraid to face jail, he, he would say, no way, that's me. No way. Well, he went on a journey. And timid Peter ends up courageous, Peter, because of God's work. Jesus spent a lot of time because the Holy Spirit filling him. And so if you hear this and you think on my own strength, there's no way I could be a courageous person. It's just not typical, not me. That's the way we say it. It's just, it's somebody else. I want to invite you to a different narrative. Go get filled up on what Peter was filled up on and watch transformation happen in your life. Just go get filled up on spending time with Jesus. Go get filled up on being, receiving the Holy Spirit. Go get filled up on the word of God. And there'll be a little moment that comes by and you'll just see the opportunity with the lame beggar and you just can't help but I just got to step out of what's comfortable and stay in faith and see a miracle and see God at work and see God work through you supernaturally. And if you have in your arsenal, arsenal, in your reservoir, in your depth, in your insides, in your backpack, whatever illustration, if you've got it in you, then you can face those storms and you'll be different you'll be able to face it. And actually it's courage and boldness that helps those around be astonished and go, I want what they have. John Wesley literally went to Hernhut and befriended the Moravians because deep in his bones, he was saying, I want what they have. I want, I want some of that. I'll just close with this. I think that right now we're, we're facing a hard time, but, um, Churches have faced harder times. Generations have faced it harder times. And I think this is our window of opportunity to choose courage instead of fear. In 2007, uh, the church where I was a youth pastor, December 9th, 2007, a shooter walked onto our campus on a Sunday morning and opened fire and took the life of two teenage girls. Others were wounded. And uh, it's the front page of the newspaper and front page of the news and 
we experienced an unbelievable amount of pain and grief. And so you're pastoring families and teenagers and young adults through this awful time. And there's kind of this question that was looming. Because it happened on a Sunday morning. Now we're the, in our town, it's the talk of the town. Is it dangerous to go back? And I'll just never forget the feeling that I had no idea what was gonna take place if people would come back or if we would just, might be the end of our church. And the next time we gathered, it's actually packed. There was not an empty seat, barely a dry eye. And we sang top of our lungs. We will overcome. Just look out. You got people in the hospital. You got a lot of pain, but you got a lot of courage. And in that season, I felt like our church was able to be a witness. I felt like our church was able to unite Put aside fear and worship together. Seek God together. And I just want to invite us as a church in this season, whether we worship online or whether we worship in a room, whatever takes place, I want to invite you. We need supernatural unity. Need ever, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Oh God, my rock and my redeemer. We need courage. This is the time <laughs> to not say the storm is gonna take me down, but to say, just like the Moravians, I worship, I look to you. We will overcome. We bow your heads with me. Oh God, we look at scriptures, church history, the church around the world. People have faced pain and danger that we know not of, that we could not even fathom. And God, we pray that in our context, in our generation, in Kansas City, that we would walk courage, strength of God. We pray that our lives would not be focused on ourselves, but on you. And you threw us to a world that so needs God. I thank you for radiant, every man and every woman here. I pray right now for a supernatural touch from God. Give us great courage. If you're watching online today or you're here and you wanna give your life to Jesus, I wanna invite you just to pray this prayer. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I give you my life. I step over the line of faith and I give my life to you.
I repent of living for myself and I choose to follow you. Give me new life. Save me. Change me. And heal me. I'll spend eternity with you. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I just want to encourage you, just let us know. If you could just email us right now. We're in a touch-free environment. We don't have a card for you. I want to invite you just to email us either on your phone or if you're watching online, you can just email us yes at radiantchurchkc.com, which is saying yes, I gave my life to Jesus.